This is the Jocko Underground Podcast. Sitting here with Echo Charles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. sitting here with Echo Charles. We were gonna, I, I proposed mm-hmm. you're back from Hawaii. I figure you're ready to get back in the game on the mats of justice. I sent you a text. Hey, train at this time. We'll record done when we're done. Yeah. You, you denied. Yeah. You did not want to do it. You did I, not want to partake. I had literally 0% interest in taking <laughs> you up on that. Yeah. Well, why, why? Okay. Well, okay. I don't want to make this too long of a story, but we do yeah. run that risk. So <laughs> if a bunch of people just <laughs> left the chat. <laughs> first off, first off, you're correct. I am back from Hawaii and I am back in the game. hundred percent. So in Hawaii was, let's say uh, it, was a, it was a slacker trip. Okay. Bit of, I yeah. worked out a little bit, but I drank a lot of beer. Um, not got partied or nothing like this, but like, you know, and I don't really drink that much beer. Mm-hmm. Bad. So anyway, diet kind of fell off. Anyway, so when I get back and, you know, we all feel like that when we get back from vacation, I'm getting, I'm going hard. In fact, setting straight up goals mm-hmm. with oh, numbers, with Just numbers. Check, check this brother out. <laughs> so anyway, the past week has been strong, mm-hmm. strong, like on the path. Good numbers way ahead. I'm ahead of schedule. Training jujitsu is friends? on the schedule and has been. I've been training all week, uh, lifting everything. Okay. When you texted me today, right? A, jujitsu training was not part of the schedule because I have a schedule. Uh, like I have a plan, like I'm training this day, this day, this day. Jujitsu should always be on the schedule. Every single day. Yes. See, I, I'm not there. Yeah. Okay. That's not that's not where I'm at on the in the program. See what I'm saying? Okay. So anyway, and I'm like in the middle or in the middle of my workout. Literally in the middle of my workout. At ten and o'clock in the morning. And, and you're over here. <laughs> at ten o'clock. In and the you're morning. over here. Well, let's go. Are you working like, out at ten I'm, o'clock in the morning? I am currently you training. Have, do you have a job, I'm, sir? I'm <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm currently training. Like a lunchtime so, workout starts at 1130. Yeah. A morning workout goes until 738. Hey, man. We'll what call are you it doing a, at 10? We'll call it a brunch workout. We, got some, <laughs> we have some people in town. We hung out in the morning a little bit. You know, I got uh, to the workout. Hit it hard. All good. But in the middle of it, then here comes your text. What kind of lift was it? Like, what did I do What today? did you do? Okay, I'm so. Like, oh, that was a bad question. Yeah, <laughs> You're about to get detailed. Lift. Way more detailed than anybody I did. A, put it this way. I did a shoulder circuit. Okay. I did an arm circuit. Yeah. And then I did a, a, a Metcon. Yeah. Like a aerodyne thing. <laughs> anyway, the aerosol bike. thing. So you were tired. I was in the middle of, the, of a workout. Mm. So you can't just roll in spontaneously changing <laughs> the whole program. Can't do that. It's not how it's going. You know, that's not how the workout uh, program works. So you say let's train, which is going to be like less than however many hours. Then I said, let's train after we get done recording. Correct. And you said no to that too. Nope. Wasn't part of the program. <laughs> not part of the program so I like okay. how that's in your mind that's justification yeah like that's legitimate you, you might as well have just said that's against the law or against yeah. the constitution of the United States of America what? that's how you're talking right now <laughs> because jiu-jitsu wasn't predetermined correct so here's the weird that's thing freaking ridiculous what you right. just said right there you're you're like you're on you're on to something is because I thought to myself like, why wouldn't I? Because I felt the pressure. You know, when you're like, you know, when someone asks you to train and yeah, then you got to say you know say what no. you should morally do. You know what the right thing to do is. I wouldn't go that far. Just but, to train. But a little bit of that, what you just said, is true. Because it's kind of like, hey, it's not like I don't want to train. It's not like I don't want to do jujitsu. Like, I feel like me saying no to training is me saying no to a training opportunity. It's what it felt like. Especially you, did. you Jocko, 
have a way, and I think other people can vouch for this. You have a way of like saying stuff without saying stuff. <laughs> it's a text, bro. It's a text. I said, yeah. do you want to train at oh, noon? Yeah. We oh, record oh. afterwards. Oh, so you can imagine how powerful that is. <laughs> So, oh, so I feel it, and I felt it. There's no exception. You're like, oh yeah, let's train. I was sending brain negative brain waves yes. towards you. Oh yeah, <laughs> loud and clear. But every once in a while, so now I'm in a conundrum. Like, do I <laughs> do I give in to Jocko's freaking yes. pressure? It's positive Be- peer pressure. Here. Exactly right. So now you can imagine my. my Would you feel better if we trained? No. Right now? No. You got to be kidding me. Well, then again, I don't know. So this answer might- honestly. If we would have trained right now, had a good roll, did six, seven rounds, pretty chill, and and you would not feel better right now. I don't know. And I honestly say I don't know, and this is why. Because I think I went, you know how like you get on the program like for a week or however mm. many weeks? You might not know this, but this is part of the game sometimes, where you kind of go too hard. If you go too hard with a workout and too hard with a diet, then you can like go into overtraining. Okay. okay. Is that where you're at right no, now? No, no, no. But, <laughs> may, but may, but maybe that one maybe. that jiu-jitsu would have put you there. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Uh, if I'm on the program dude. and then the and, and I'm doing like if I double my workout, we'll say mm-hmm. or whatever. Is that part of the program? Yeah, this is what I'm going through in my head. By the way, to justify me saying no and not feel God. like guilty or whatever. So, but then, but then I th- I thought back to my whole like my whole life. My whole <laughs> It's just a text, bro. I just no. want to train. <laughs> I got back to my whole life when I started like working out and doing stuff, and when mm-hmm. I first learned about like working out in programs and stuff. I've always done that. I always like, even if it's like good for me, it's not part of the program. I'm not doing it. <laughs> because it's like it's almost. It started off with like, okay, if I do something different than the program, how do I know if this program actually works if I didn't follow okay. it correctly, right? So, but then I got so like so strict to that idea that it kind of mutated into this like. So how did drinking beer in Hawaii and not working out for three weeks? Set? How'd that fit on the program? It was that was not on the program. Okay, but nonetheless, what that's that's what I was like contemplating in my head. But here's the thing: look, after workout. I go into a recovery period. <laughs> <laughs> Jiu-jitsu with you, by the way, is not a recovery period. Uh, that is the opposite of recovery period. So anyway, <laughs> so we did not train. No, we did not train today. Maybe uh, we'll train tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow I have off. So don't even bother me tomorrow. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, here we are. We Can can you do this? Can you make it through this? Or do you get K-Dog in here? Get Carrie in here because you're I, recovering I, I right now. Go. <laughs> You gotta go use a Theragun on your on your shoulder whatever, or whatever. But, whatever, but it's true. It's true. All right. Well, um, talk a little bit. I gotta ask a question. Um, the, the topic. The topic is is a common topic that you hear a lot of people say. It's you know um, with social media out there, no one. There's no consequences. Right, and someone's asking me, you know, hey, isn't it seem like social media has no consequences, and it's just it just makes anybody able to say anything? Yeah, and and that seemed like a really good launch point for me to like launch into, like, hell yeah, social media, no one no one would say that to my face, they would have to pay for that kind of thing, and. <laughs> 
and I was my my actual response was, well, actually, I don't really like. I'm not going to let some random unknown person on Twitter bother me, right? Yeah. So that's my recommendation. My recommendation is you don't let social media bother you because it's a lot. And I guess we have to give some credit to Joe Rogan on that because he tells people all the time. What does he say? He posts and ghosts. <laughs> he posts oh, yeah. and ghosts. But he did not read in the comments and he tells everyone don't don't read the comments. Yeah. And I think I, I can I can I can actually read the comments and sometimes they're funny and yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. I, but I don't let them get me mad. Yeah. How's it gonna get you mad? It's a random person. Yeah. And they gotta be bothered. You know, what what's going on in their world that they came onto your area and started yeah, putting yeah. comments down like they got they got issues man yeah you ain't got to worry about these people that are doing this stuff that's 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 where i'm coming from that being said there is there is a phenomenon that occurs on social media and it's sort of like a mob right it would be and it, not just social media but like the whole news everyone can kind of get caught up in in group think and I was just going through some of the some of the psychological causes of mob mentality, and I was I was looking at psychologytoday.com, and and I realized there's just when you see the the psychology of a mob and you compare it to this what you have on social media, it's the same thing. So in a mob, there's de-individuation. Right, meaning you're 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 part of a group, so you don't feel like you're you're yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. That you're part of this group, and that happens on social media. Like you see a bunch of people chiming in, well, you're gonna chime in too. Mm-hmm. You lose your own individual thought. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two, it's the same type of thing, but you, your identity, your personal identity. When you're part of a group, you lose your personal identity, and you take on the identity of the group. So this happens on social media. That's why social media is so divisive. Or I guess it's one of the reasons why social media is so divisive. One of the other reasons is because if you can't smack someone in the face. Mm-hmm. No. But but it is one of the reasons because people kind of lose their identity or they want to be part of that lynch mob that's throwing the hate, hate, hate. Like, let me jump in. You know the other thing that's funny about Twitter is you think you're going to say something and everyone's going to care about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, yeah, like true. no one actually does, yeah. you know. Yeah. Hey, actually, it's going to be interesting with, with Elon Musk trying to buy it. And he, he's been saying, I, want, I need to know how many of these are real people. And they won't tell. They won't tell him. So he's like, I'm out, bro. Yeah. He's like, I'm out, you know. That's yeah. like you're going to buy a, a house. Yeah. And you say, well, how many bedrooms on the house? They say, we're not telling. Uh, <laughs> they say 10 bedroom, right? And you say, well, that's a big house. Damn, this is gonna be a good deal. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get word that some of those bedrooms aren't even there. Yeah, yeah. And you say it might be a, a five bedroom. Yeah. So now maybe I should be paying half for it. Yeah. So that's Elon Musk. So a lot of these, these Twitter responses and stuff, they're not even real people, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, so that's going on. Then here's what's going on, another thing from psychology, emotions. It says being part of a group can lead to heightened emotional states, be that excitement, anger, or hostility. How 
factually true as that with social media, right? Yeah. You're sitting there, you, you know, you just got done with dinner, you're feeling chill, you pick up your phone, and you see that, and you just decide to get all so, mad. Yeah. That's what happens, man. Yeah. That's what happens to people. It's crazy. Yeah. And then you, then you chime in, and here's the thing. If you're mad, and you post something, and I see that you posted, and it's gonna make me mad that I posted, it, it grows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a crazy thing. Yeah, it's real. Uh, it feels, I think this was Joe Rogan, actually, who mm-hmm. said this. He made a really good point, right? So the so Twitter, wherever, wherever, when you post something, you write something, you post it. When you post it, it's there. It's not like someone said it True. on the street, and then they're gone, and then you kind of would forget about it. You post it there, it's for you to see whenever, forever, and for everyone else to see. So it's almost like someone makes it a point to go on record to say X, Y, Z. That's what it feels like. It's there. There's an additional something to it, I think. It's definitely, it's definitely in some ways more than just saying it. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, yeah. if I walk by you and I say, oh, you bald bastard or yeah, whatever, yeah. cool. I, but if I put it and post it, well, then it's out yeah. there. It's actually like comparing it to like, I don't know, maybe you're a UFC fighter or, or, or a musician or something, and someone in the crowd is yelling, you suck, you know, kind of thing. It's like, that's lame, but they don't really care because mm-hmm. the show goes on, other stuff happens and whatever, yeah, you forget about it. Fades. It fades. Yeah. But this is like, like I said, someone going on record forever saying this one thing, you suck, and it's like right there <laughs> for you and everyone. Just, so it kind of feels like it's more official or something, yeah. you know? But even though it is literally the same thing. Well, also, the thing is, just like in the teams, if you ever let anybody know that something's bothering you, oh, yeah, it's yeah. Gonna, they're going to ride that thing, bro. They're going to ride it to the moon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can't yeah. let that happen. And I think it's the same thing here. Yeah. If you're getting all frustrated, mm-hmm. hey, wait a second. Wait, what? Who are you to say that to me? Like, you see, yeah. if you read Twitter, people say that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Hey, who are you to say that to me? Yeah, yeah. What have you done? They yeah. say that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, right? Sir. Yeah. That's, that's like a legitimate conversation with an unknown <laughs> entity. Yeah. That, that has no place. It's funny because, like, you know, when you talk about it like this, what? something you might call detached. Yeah, it's a detached, detached perspective, perspective over here. Seems real obvious, you know? Like, if you were to ask someone, true or false, it's okay to get into arguments on Facebook with people. True or false? I would say false. Most people would say false and pretty easy, too. Yeah. Unless you get some nuanced thing and someone's, like, talking about exceptions and all this other stuff. Um, but generally speaking, from a detached perspective, it's pretty obvious, you know? Like, should you let people you don't know or care about mm-hmm bother you yep by posting stuff on twitter should that bother you it's like no and then, and then check this out let's say you and i knew each other should I, should you and i get in an argument on tw- on facebook in front of all of our group of friends yeah does that because you could say well we don't know each other but no no i actually know echo why yeah. would he say that yeah yeah would it be appropriate if you're gonna if you and I are gonna argue? There's a party, and you and I argue. The best way to do it is you and I start yelling in the middle of the party, yeah, yeah. Is publicly, that s- publicly, yeah. and then just multiply that times a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand because it's on social media. Yep. So none of this stuff makes sense. Yeah. None of it makes sense, and yet people are getting all ate up with it. This is kind of a similar thing. Acceptability. Behaviors that are usually seen as unacceptable become acceptable when others in a group are seen carrying them out. Yeah. So just the whole, the whole rules change. Yeah. 
I can say whatever I want. Echo, I can, oh, Echo called him that? Cool, yeah, I can yeah. say something even, even I can edge it up a little bit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Anonymity, this is a obvious one. People feel anonymous when they're within a large group, which reduces their sense of responsibility and accountability. Yeah. That's why people in riots go break windows and stuff. Yeah. They don't think they're gonna get caught. Diffusion of responsibility. Being part of a group creates the perception that violent or unacceptable behavior is not a personal responsibility, but a group one. So you're getting out of it, basically. Everyone else is hating on Echo. I'm gonna throw a couple jabs in there too. Yeah. You know, never mind his feelings. Yeah. (laughs) And if if he gets mad and somebody gotta pay the price, it's kinda like, I know in the group it does feel like that though. Where let's say there's a hundred people in the group, we're all doing something bad. I kind of feel like one one hundredth of the like responsibility of it. That's oh, what it feels like. Definitely, that's the psychology of it as well. Hundred percent. You know. So yeah, just go wild, right? Yeah. That's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happens, dude. Uh, the last one is the larger the group or crowd, the more likely there will be a de-individuation. Of and diffusion of responsibility. So what you just said, if there's a hundred people, you feel one one hundredth. If there's a thousand, then you feel one one thousandth, which is no yeah. guilt whatsoever. Yep. So that's what we're seeing. Uh, the mob mentality on the internet is the same thing that happens in a big giant riot, an out of control protest, whatever it's going to be. It's literally the same thing. Which is why you, as a person, should be careful not to get caught up in the mob doing dumb stuff. Because even though you might get away with it, it still is not good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right? It just doesn't make sense. And, and, And also, you shouldn't let the mob affect you if they're coming at you and getting all crazy. It's they're not hurting you. They're they're saying words to you. They're they're putting little digital uh, letters together. So don't take it so seriously. Imagine if imagine if social media was just a hundred percent like fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was just all just for whatever reason, no one took it seriously. Yeah, like they took it as serious as they should, kind of a thing. Like like. Basically, we weren't al- yeah, like, yeah, yeah. the illusion of all this wasn't there. It was yeah. like it was. T- t- I was like, oh yeah, it's just a, yeah, it's a funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how I. F- that's kind of how I feel sometimes. Yeah, and it's okay. Let, funny. let me ask you this because you're kind of in a, in a unique position, right? Where you have like a ton of followers. Mm. So you know when you're in that kind of public figure position, right? You know how it's it's obvious from the outside to be like, hey, you need to expect this kind of stuff, like strangers. Yeah. saying bad things about you potentially like you got to expect that kind yeah. of stuff versus someone who's not a public figure who just is sort of cruising on there mm-hmm. and just doing normal everyday stuff on there and then they take some hate by somebody they don't know it feels like hey man oh it, i feel like they would get affected by it just naturally a little bit more than a public figure type person yeah or should i say the public figure person should be affected by it less just because it almost is uh, super obvious that it comes with the territory almost yeah. kind of a thing yeah you, you're gonna people are gonna just gonna come at you i mean yeah. just like you know those little bird scooters you know what i'm talking about they're like little electric scooters yeah the, and you can the drive them around or there's like one called bird there's one okay. called lime they, yeah, yeah. i think uh, uber has them now okay 
Well, they they put them out in like the neighborhood where I live, mm-hmm. and people just destroyed people just destroyed them, bro. <laughs> they hopped them off the cliff. Oh, they, right. they threw them through windows. It was like mayhem. Wait, you can like rent them or something? Yeah, right? you, you you have an app on your phone. Yeah. You've seen these little people on scooters, yeah, yeah. right? So but you yeah. have an app on your phone, and it costs you a dollar a minute or what? I don't even know how much it costs, mm-hmm. but you get on them, you scooter around, yeah. right? Well, people and then in, you just leave it there, right? Yeah, when you're yeah, done, you just leave you just it there. Where it done. is, yeah, and yeah. this is the same. Well, and what I heard was they have this in Europe, right? Mm. In Holland or something, mm. and in the, in Holland or France or wherever, people drive them, they park them, and they yeah. let them for the next person. <laughs> <It's all cool. laughs> where I live, they just huck them off the cliff. <laughs> they run them over with cars. <laughs> they smash them through windows. Yay. So there's just going to be people. Like yeah. it seems like a good idea, right? Hey, right. you get this little thing; it's real cheap. You can because sometimes something's too far to drive, right? Mm-hmm. Or sorry, oh, too, too close, too, too far to walk, too close to yeah. drive. You know, it's a nice little happy medium. I'll jump yeah, on this yeah. little scooter. Cost me fifty cents. Yeah. But somebody just goes, "Oh, I'm just gonna hawk that yeah. thing through the window." <laughs> yeah. So you got people out there that are just g- gonna break shit, That's and they're gonna sad. they're gonna do they're gonna do mean stuff. They're gonna be problems. Right. Yeah. So yes, if you're on social media, somebody's gonna huck a scooter through yeah. your virtual window yeah. if they get the chance, <laughs> and you got to be ready for that. Yeah. Now, look, that's the way kind of America is, right? America is a little bit more wild mm-hmm. than some other countries. You know, yeah. we we have a little bit more wildness to us. People sure. go out wilding, like yeah. just getting after it, <laughs> and then you throw some booze in the mix. You don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. True. <laughs> so the same thing's gonna happen in life, right? In so in social media, and you got you can't take it. You can't get you can't get upset about it. Yeah. it there's no the thing is in vir, a virtual scooter thrown thrown through your window isn't real. Yeah. Didn't even you can just don't ignore it. Move on. No factor. But what percentage of that, or should I say in your brain, where if you see a bad or negative comment, like what percentage of that is like you being insecure about something that's actually true? Oh, yeah. that's real too, you know? Yeah. So it's almost like it doesn't matter who says it. Someone you know, don't know, a bot. It doesn't matter because yeah. if it affects you like, oh, I'm insecure about that. It's like it's kind of true, you know? Yeah. And then you go, maybe I should, you know, lift more. I know. But, bro, that's, you know. That's the, the the challenge, right? You got you know. Guess what? Here's what. Here's what the reality you got to face. You're not superhuman, uh, Superman, right? Yeah, and and people can look at me and be like, "Oh, look at Jocko. He's got gray hair." Brutal. Like, yeah, I do. What? <laughs> <laughs> what am I? How's that supposed to? You know, what am I supposed to do with that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. He's old. Yeah, I kind of am. I don't think I'm that old. I don't feel old. What's the worst thing that you can remember someone saying about you? Oh, man. (sighs) I don't know. I'd have to go review comments, I guess. Yeah, because there's like there's different types and levels of insult, right? Because some insults are just like complete throwaway. Like one of mine that they they insulted me, they said that I should die. Obviously, like okay, like that's going hard, but it's a it's comment like, after my it's, own heart. It's, 
it's comical how hard they went. Like it's so obvious, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's like that kind. But then if someone said something about like I don't know, I don't, just something that's a little bit more down to earth. Oh, in, like in, like in people, line with reality. People say stuff. People say stuff about your 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 appearances on the Jocko podcast a little bit. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so there's different. So that's what I'm saying. Like, what's the worst? Because like some people like if they're against the war or something, yeah. they're gonna say some negative stuff about you. Like you know, like. Um, yeah, you know, and it's like, uh, well, if, oh, you supported the military industrial complex. Right, it's like, right. yeah, you're right. I, I I can't have that make me mad. I mean, yeah. that's a, a real thing. Yeah. Uh, by my, my participation in the military and in fighting wars, I definitely, the, the military industrial complex definitely benefited from me. Yeah. So really, that's like the two battles, right, that you're fighting on social media is one to understand it's social media it's not real life mm-hmm. and two is the battle kind of with your own like it's like you guys you guys talk about ha- having an honest self-assessment kind yeah. of thing it's like it's the battle with that kind of a thing you know i wrote leadership strategy and tactics i was like oh, how do you receive criticism from someone that you don't like you yeah. don't respect mm-hmm. and that really you don't think even deserves to give you any criticism. Yeah. And, oh, I, yeah. and I wrote, I was like, oh, what you do in a situation like that is you listen to what they have to say. Yeah. And you try and figure out how you can apply it to make yourself better. I know, but that's like, that can prove as one of the hardest things to do <laughs> ever, ever in life. That is, if, if it's from someone who, A, has no, like, let's say their status, their position in the company, their whatever, they, their expertise, yeah. or whatever, they, they have no business criticizing you yep. or giving you like negative or critical feedback or whatever that's a and b if they do it in like an, a condescending or a mm-hmm. tone that's off in some way they put those things together bro it, it's impossible right. it's, it's borderline impossible check, check this out i've been in situations where i i have been fully approved mm-hmm. and and should be fully authorized mm-hmm. to tell someone something and they've been like couldn't take it couldn't take it yeah. and I'm talking you know you get like a young seal officer yeah. that has that has never been on deployment before literally knows nothing yeah. I'm at the tail end of my career and I have a, a decent amount of knowledge and I might say something like and this wouldn't happen very often and, and usually when it did happen it usually would result in like a real problem because this means the person's just not gonna be not gonna get it mm-hmm. but you know I give them some hey you you might not want to uh, whatever you might not want to push that many guys in the building right, right out of the gate. Mm. Well, what if the oh, okay? Mm. You think to yourself, it's crazy, to th- and I'm not even I'm not being a dick. Yeah, you know, hey, hey, dude, if you're that initial entry, you might want to push everyone in. They might get a little crowded in those first couple rooms. You got so many, and instead of being like, hey, cool, yeah, that makes sense, or even like, cool, I- I'll consider that. Mm. Even that would be, mm. you know, hey, I might not, I'm not right about everything. Just offering a suggestion, mm. but think of that. So, <laughs> if you get someone that's that you that you that doesn't have any business telling you this, and you don't think they have any business telling, but people are crazy, man. Are the crazy. ego, the ego is so crazy. Yeah. The ego is so crazy. People don't even recognize what's happening. Yeah. They don't even recognize what's happening. They can't even. They can't even understand. The ego blinds people so much. That they don't even, they can't detach from it. Mm-hmm. I've had people that I've, that like read Extreme Ownership, read Dichotomy, listen to the podcast, and, and I'm talking to them. And they can't, 
detach and see that, you know, like, um, well, the company's doing this wrong. Hey, I get it. You know what? It sounds like the company that you work with doesn't have great communication. It definitely seems that way. What, What you need to do is adjust the way you're interacting with your boss. Mm-hmm. Well, my boss won't tell me what's going on. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. But you need to change the way you interact with your boss. Well, why is it my business to change? Like, that's what they're saying to me. Yeah, that's great. And that's pure ego. Yeah. So it's very, very difficult to get that thing under control. That's why what you just said, you, you're almost kind of beside yourself. You didn't almost didn't have the words to express how hard it is to have someone that you don't respect give you feedback yeah. and accept it. You know what's so good though is like let's say your team is getting debriefed and you're getting debriefed by some guy that you don't like and no one likes on the team and then the guy walks away and everyone's and you go yeah he made made some good points it's so disarming you know it's why would that guy's such a piece of shit he shouldn't have well you know he did have a good point about our headcount we could have done that quicker and just you know like let's move on let's just listen to what somebody has to say this is not easy man yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I'll tell you what though, it is it does seem like there's a um a repeated a repeated gravitational pull mm-hmm. that you kind of have to just overcome and then when you overcome it you're like, "Oh." Yeah. You you kind of get break free of it, but it doesn't you you don't break free of your ego one time and now you're like, "Cool." You break free of your ego like 38 times a day. Yeah. 38 times a day something happens where you're like, Oh, like I can't believe Echo's in here telling me that. No, it's like, oh, okay, you know what? Hey, Echo, thanks for the feedback on that. And then you get home and your wife's like, you're late for dinner. And meanwhile, you just worked a 19-hour shift. And your wife's like, you're late for dinner. Mm -hmm. And, you you know, you want to slap back or clap back, whatever the expression (laughs) is, don't slap your wife. You want to, you want to, you want to go hard, right? Yeah, yes. But what you got to do is you got to break that gravitational pull of your ego. Yeah. And just, poof, and then you go, yeah, I'm sorry, hon. It was just a, a hard day. And man, those burgers look great. And I appreciate it. Yeah, that's so true. Because like when you, when you feel or when you taste the fruits on the other side of like the problem being solved or the relationship improving, like when yeah. you, when you feel it and you see like and when it's done, when you're yeah. like, oh, Damn, that works kind of like magic a little bit. Like yeah. even like arguments. And I was man, who the hell was I just talking to? Oh, my mom on at, at, um, at home or in, on Kauai. And we are just talking about that kind of stuff. And I was like, I'll tell you the secret like magic pill for this any is, relationship your to my mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're talking about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I was like, mom, sit down. Yeah. It wasn't like that. Yeah. But um, I was like the, the literally the magic bullet for any conflict in like a relationship or whatever is extreme ownership. Mm-hmm. And you know, most people, if they hear that, they don't know what I mean, what extreme ownership really is from from top to bottom or whatever. And I went down the list or whatever. And you could tell one of the few times she was like all listening or whatever. Mm-hmm. And bro, it's so true where you can be in a situation where you can be in your mind 100% right. 100%, not even 99, 100% right. And if you're the one saying, no, no, this is my response, my uh, fault, my whole thing, and this is what I'm gonna do to figure If you do it like that, the real way to do it, but it'll solve the problem every single time. Dude, I was talking to a client the other day, and uh, he was had presented data up the chain of command. Mm-hmm. He presented the data up the chain of command. The data made the case obvious of what they needed to do. 
And he said, hey, here's the data, here's what we should do. And his boss didn't listen to him. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I can't believe him. And, and I said, so I was like, oh, well, do, what do you think you could do better? What do you mean? The data's there. The data is so clear that they need to make this move. He needs to listen. Mm-hmm. That was the response. Not, and I said, well, do you think that you did a good job communicating the data? There's nothing, it has nothing to do with communication. Mm-hmm. The data is the data. And I was like, oh, again, I was having a conversation with someone. This, you're smiling right now because you know what that means. When someone says it's not communication, the data is the data, has yeah. nothing to do with communication. Read the data, there. I don't need to do anything else. The data, yeah. and it's, it's the same thing as punching someone in the face with the truth. It's the same thing as when you hit someone with facts and they don't listen to you, guess what? It doesn't matter. Yeah. The facts don't matter, the data doesn't matter. Yeah. You didn't build a relationship, you didn't have enough trust, yeah. and you're sitting there just pointing the fingers at the other guy, and there's nothing you could, that's your boss, by the way. Yeah. And you could go home and bitch and complain and be like, hey, the, the, he should have listened to me. Guess what, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. If you built a good relationship with your boss, if you got your boss and you communicated in a more clear way, or in a way that they understood, or maybe you needed to make your boss think that it was him, and you present the data and say, present the data and say, I don't know what I would do here, boss. What do you think? He says, Well, we actually should make this move. And you go, Wow, you're so smart, boss. Yeah. Hell yeah. There's a million ways to skin this cat. You know what? One way doesn't work. It's not on me. Right. It's my boss's fault. Yeah. My boss needs to listen. My boss needs to understand the data. That's on him, not me. So I'm not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. And I can't help you, actually. Yeah. This is like me talking to the client. Like, I, if that's where you're at, I can't, I, can't, I can't help you. Because if you just go, well, it's not on me, I can't help you, I can't help you. Because I, I can't, I, look, I'm gonna talk to your boss and I'll, I will work some indirect measures on him to make sure he opens up his mind and starts to pay attention to things. But as far as your capability and your relationship with your boss, that's on you, you need to adjust. Yeah. And that's the key, and it's so hard. People are listening to this right now. At this moment, people are listening to what I just said, and they're, everyone's going, yeah, yeah, and there's a few people that are going, yeah, but. But you know, my sure. boss, he really doesn't pay attention. And my boss, he's a real, he's real arrogant. And all those things, and they're all bullshit. They're all bullshit. Now, now listen, can you have a boss that's so arrogant that he never listens to anyone, and you can't get through to him? Yes, that is gonna happen. And maybe that's the time when you go, hey, you know what, just like an employee that can't get their job done, you have a boss that will never improve, maybe it's time to find out an exit plan. That happens as well. Mm-hmm. But to sit there and say, hey, I, the data speaks for itself, I, don't, yeah. I did my part. Did all, yeah. I, it's not, well, how's your relationship? It's not about a relationship. Mm-hmm. The data says it. Okay, so I can't, I can't help you, yeah. and it's sad. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. That it was a long time ago. We talked about that kind of the football analogy, right? The the quarterback and the receiver. It's kind of like the quarterback like throwing it at the receiver as hard as he possibly can when he's like you know ten yards away. Maybe the receiver's not even looking. He threw it. He goes, "Well, the the ball that I was supposed to deliver got delivered there. It got delivered. Right? It hit it was, you. Yeah, it's all I can do. You know, you gotta look. You gotta look sooner. You gotta catch it." You, but meanwhile, you get a good quarterback. He'll throw he'll, the perfect time when the guy's ready for it. He's going to throw the perfect velocity, where it's, it'll be the the easiest for that receiver to catch. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like different. It's a, it, that's essentially what it is. Where if you're pre- especially if you're presenting something like data, like here's the information, yep. right? It's pretty clear, mm-hmm. right? But right, you better that better land. Hey, here's another thing. 
you present the data to me, you come to me and you say, hey Jocko, we sold this many t-shirts and we should discontinue this t-shirt. And you might not know that I already ordered like another thousand of these t-shirts and, and I go, no, we're not gonna discontinue it. And you go, God, Jocko doesn't listen to anything. But really what you said is, you should have said, why not? And I said, well, I actually already ordered another thousand of them so we need to keep them on the website because we already got them. Yeah. And you go, ah, cool, makes sense. Instead, I just go, oh, the data says people aren't buying that T-shirt. You just need to, you just need to get on board. Yeah. So these things are are freaking not good. Not but good. like how you said, once you, once you're on the other side and understand how effective that is to get through the ego part. If you can get through that ego part and you've tasted the fruits of success, yeah, it's a lot it's a easier to do it. Yeah. But it's a breakthrough. It is a breakthrough. It does get easier, yeah. but it's still you're still gonna run up against that ego wall yeah. just about every time. It's a thing, yeah. Just about every time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my wife will say something to me, and I'll be like, oh, there's my ego, yep, there it is. And oh yeah, I'll, you feel it. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, oh yeah, there it is, yep, I'm gonna walk through this, yeah, okay. you know? I mean, uh, she asked me to do something the other day, like, like not, not work-wise. She says, oh, do you wanna do this on this night? And I was like, no. <laughs> Because <laughs> it had to do with going and you know sure. putting you know Brutal. shoes on and going somewhere and <laughs> sitting in a place and all this stuff, right? Yep, yep, yep. And 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 man, guess what I guess what I want to do on a Saturday night? Yeah. Do that. get clothes on like proper attire and tra- drive somewhere? Yep. And then go to a dinner where we're not even know what the menu is, you know? This is a scenario we're not and, and plus there's been kind of some back to back stuff going on. Wasn't part of the program. Wasn't part of the program to use my friend Echo Charles. <laughs> so what did I do? It was like I felt a little ego push because she was like, I can't believe you don't want to do uh, this. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yep, that's true. Yeah. And you know, I could have snapped back, clapped Slap back, back, not slapped back. <laughs> but you know, I, I could have been well, actually, since I've been gone for the past two weeks, I've been traveling, I did this, I blah, 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 all the stuff that I've been doing, right? Yeah, that's real. All my ego comes out about how much I'm working and how hard I'm doing everything, and she's just not having to do any of that. Yeah. I didn't say any of that. Hmm. You know, I was like, well, where is it? You know, when I kind of just reflected, diminished, and we're not going, but. <laughs> So you didn't go? No. Dang, no, bro. We didn't go. But that's the thing, right? Like, I, I, even on that, even with my wife, after we've been married for a long time, mm. I have that little, I felt that little wall. I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. Little, little ego wall, just got to push through. Yeah. Someone comes and t- tells me something, a like, little ego wall, got to push through it. Mm. Someone talks to me about the way something happened, a little ego wall. And, and, and then, you know what the beautiful thing is? You go, all right, tell me, you know, what could have been better? Mm-hmm. What could have been better? What what adjustments do I need to make? Yeah. Got to get through that ego wall, which is a little bit of an issue from time to time. Yeah, it's real. It's a real wall. You are right, though. The more you push through it over time, it does lose its strength and you can push through it. But it's going to be there. Yeah. I, I, think I wonder right. if even like the Dalai Lama. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> The Dalai Lama. If he feels the ego wall. Yeah, from time if he to feels time. the ego wall from time to time. Yeah, it's a good question. The more enlightened you become, the more secure about yourself you become, the less that wall's gonna gonna jam you up. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just head run headlong into that bad boy though. <laughs> and and you gotta recognize what that looks like. 
Mm-hmm. Because if you if you start feeling frustration, anger, all those things, that should tell you, oh, I just banged my head up against the eagle wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I gotta walk over here, put the key in, and get through it. Mm-hmm. When you start feeling jealous, resentful, all those things, it's like, oh, that's my ego right there. Put, put the key in. Oh, hold on a second. Let me type in the freaking passcode yeah, yeah. and let me get through the wall. Yeah. But it's an, it's always going to be some something there, and yeah. you got to pay attention to it. Yeah. All right. Questions? Questions. Q&A? Q&A all day. All right. First question. <clears throat> Hello. So today at the gym, somebody used a bolt cutter. To gain access to several lockers and steal people's belongings, including mine. Oof. Now that the shock has worn off, I find myself feeling angry. Really just feeling like I hate people. <laughs> Straight up people. Uh, obviously, I love my family and friends, but I'm feeling really pessimistic about humans in general. I know that Jocko has seen the absolute worst that humanity has to offer, but still seems like such a positive, happy guy. So... How do you brush up against the terrible people in life and remain a positive person? Try not to let this ruin my day, but I can't focus on anything because I keep fantasizing about catching the guy in the act and choking him out. Thank you so much. Or thank you both for for everything. Um, check. Uh, so, look, I get it. Thieves are scum. Yeah. They're scum. Yeah. Don't steal anything. That's the worst thing. Uh, one time when I when I was a new guy at SEAL Team One, a SEAL stole a pair of Oakleys from another SEAL. Oh damn! And he had his trident pulled, and he was gone in like a day. Yeah. And I actually think that the commanding officer did it because he didn't want somebody to kill this guy. Because oh. <laughs> thieves are so hated in the SEAL teams yeah, because you sense. you you have this extreme level of trust. Yeah. With everybody, because you're leaving your stuff out all the time. In, yeah. a, in the team area, yeah. everything's open. Yeah. You know, it's, and if someone's a thief, they need to die. <laughs> they need to be killed. If they're in the SEAL teams and they're a freaking thief, they need to be killed. They need to die. So they pulled this guy's trying and kicked him out Im- almost immediately. Um, and I think most people see stealing as dirtbag scum behavior. And that's why for the homes here, this is why you can't see everybody. You can't hate everybody because most people don't like thieves, right? The other people that got ripped off, they don't like thieves. Um, In fact, it's probably a good idea to think, well, there's only so few people in the world that are thieves that most people are pretty cool. So... um, be happy that most people don't steal. And, and you know, I, I guess I am pretty positive. I also don't, I also set low expectations. I've talked about that before. I don't, I don't, I don't set super high expectations of humans. Mm-hmm. And that way, when they do, when they're not thieves, I'm pretty stoked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't let things bother me. Now, listen, would it piss me off if somebody stole some stuff from my locker at a gym? They cut my lock? Dude, I would be pissed. Yeah, totally. I would go through some pretty great lengths to figure out who did it, um, but but even then, even as I set up a sting operation to capture this scumbag, I I would not. It wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be mad about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would be not emotionally upset. Like I can't believe it. But I'd be like, okay, cool. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna check all the all the uh, cameras that we've got. We're gonna check who the log of who came in. We're gonna check. We're gonna check everything, yeah. and then we're gonna 
set up. We're gonna get the cops in here. We're gonna fingerprint this stuff. Like oh, we're we get this. We find out who this guy is. Yeah. We might even go and tempt him with other things that we'll leave out with when we do install cameras. So there's a bunch of things I do, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let one person or even a group of people control how I'm gonna feel. Yeah. Right? That is a bad move. Mm-hmm. It's a bad move to let other people dictate how you are going to feel about things. So I wouldn't do it. I'm, I'm, that's that's how I do it. I'm not going to let let people dictate how I'm going to feel. I'm not going to let it happen. Yeah. There's um, who, you know, uh, what's that guy's name? Ryan Holiday. Yes. The, the yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. I've so, been on his podcast before. Yeah, yeah. So he um he was saying this like real recently too. I saw it. He was like there was some litter on the ground mm-hmm. on one of his videos. Mm-hmm. And he was he, obviously he he can say it way more. Uh, thoroughly than I can but mm. the point that I got from it that he said was like you're people will get so mad at this for who littered right or who stole mm. this and then we will assign that feeling to humanity oh, right yeah. we get mad I'm losing faith in humanity whatever but he said it's important to understand that this is a very small representation of society yep. and on top of that a society without these kinds of people does not exist and it kind of can't exist as a spe- essentially now right. totally paraphrasing society has a spectrum of people there's small teeny tiny percent of people who are just just pieces of shit that yep. this is how it is and that's how it's always going to be that's yep. how it always was it's always a thief there's always a criminal and they're you know sprinkled, sprinkled. <laughs> around you know some here some more here and there but they exist yeah and it's impossible for a world to to exist without them well, there so you go. just because you had your individual experience or experiences with one teeny tiny element of that it does not represent humanity at all especially when there's all kinds of human beings that do incredible things. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Actually, check this out. There's people that, I don't know this particular dude right here that sent this in. There's people that are way better than him. Way better people. There's people that are better than me. There's people that are better than you. There's yeah. people that spend all their time donating time to help uh, go around, you know, help out little kids that are in trouble. There's people that go to cancer wards and, and give, you know, give blood to whoever they, there's like people that do incredible things yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, and they look at me, they're probably like, if they weren't such good people, they probably look at me, oh, look at Jocko. He, he, look at what Jocko's doing. I'm going to help at this, at this children's orphanage. Mm-hmm. And you know what Jocko's doing? He's going to jujitsu again. Yeah. He's going to jujitsu again. That's what he's doing right now. I'm going to an orphanage to literally help people, and Jocko just thinks about himself. He's going to train jujitsu. Yeah. So, like you said, there's a spectrum, and we're all on the spectrum. Yeah. And and we're not as good as we think we are. Yeah. That's so we got to keep that in mind too. There's a lot of people, especially when you're looking around the world, wanting to judge everybody else. Man, point your eyes at somebody that you should judge as being way better human than you are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Keep that in mind, man. Up to bummer, you got stuff ripped off. Yeah, hopefully it, you can recover it. You make a good point, and he, and he makes a good point too with um, the feeling of getting stolen from, especially like this, the the kind where like they break into like your private mm, like yep. area. Like I don't know if you ever got, I mean I'm sure you got your car broken into or something, or no, you never got your car. No. Bo- so I got my car broken into before. 
McCoy, and I know the motherfucker oh, no, did it I, too. No, I well, well, that's a whole different ball game, bro. Yeah, there's an additional element to it. Yeah. But at the t- you know, I found that out later. But uh, at the time, it's kind of like it feels like such a huge violation. You yeah. know, <laughs> somebody broke into like my van, my 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 Dodge Grand Caravan or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was that's why I couldn't even remember. I didn't remember. You know why I didn't remember? No, because they stole like a Gatorade bottle that was half empty mm. and you know a dirty pair of socks or something like yeah. they didn't get anything. Yeah, well, <laughs> you ain't getting shit from in me, my, son. In my car, what they, kind of person breaks into a 1997 Dodge Grand Caravan <laughs> with a broken window? Know, you know, you got low standards. Oh, yeah. Find a Merc out well, there, son. No, no, no. Find a Cadillac. Well, the reason actually is because it's like the most opportunistic, oh, yeah. right? So it's like, yeah, you wear. Yeah, you could. You would think in that way of thinking, like what you're kind of suggesting, like find the high end cars, right? Because mm-hmm. that's where all the good stuff is, right? You you go to, up to Rancho Santa Fe. Or something like that, but bro, you can't do that. That's low opportunity up yeah. there. Like, bro, you get plus they got alarms. Alarms, bro. They see you coming from a mile yeah. away. If you don't have one of those nice cars, bro, they see you. Whoa, what's that guy doing? What's it the whole time? You see what I'm saying? Just because you stand out, you know what I mean? So yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta go find that easy, <laughs> low barrier bro. to entry uh, Dodge Dude, Caravan. I, I, I do. If you're a thief. First of all, I hate you. But if you're a thief and you rip off from minivans, because a minivan means you're ripping off from a person that's trying to raise a family. They don't have any money. They ain't got shit, bro. Even if they do have money, they're they're trying to raise children, bro. Don't freaking rip off somebody with a minivan. Come on. You know what his minivan was legit for? Barely ever get pulled over. <laughs> Barely ever get pulled over. People are like, cops are like, you know what? Yeah, I'm letting this dude roll, man. This dude's got enough issues. <laughs> this dude's got enough wow, issues. That's a good point. You know, they see you rolling in a Cadillac. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. He's got a little time on his hands, a little money yeah. to spend. He can yeah. pay. He can afford a ticket. <laughs> they see me in a minivan, bro. And they're like, dude, yeah. just let this guy be. <laughs> just let him alone, man. He's got more issues than, than he needs. He doesn't need a ticket. Yeah. He's, he's going to have to go on a payment plan, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why that minivan, that minivan's the ticket. Yeah. Good job. Right. Yeah, my thief stole my friend's pillow because we had just <laughs> got. Well, I didn't have nothing in that car. We were, you know, we went somewhere and we were camping, and mm-hmm. then it was like the day after camping, and we stopped at this place or whatever. And yeah, it's weird, but it's a it's a huge violation though. That's like yeah. the point where it's like, so you get that happen, and then maybe something else happened a week before or something. Like I get it. I see a little pattern recognition. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone sucks. Like I, I, the, I can there, see there is it. like if you and I are camping and I like took your pillow. Like in some random way. Oh, I think he didn't mean to take the pillow. He okay, broke yeah, in yeah. and that there was no loot in there. So he <laughs> so had he to take something. Pillow. So he was just, well, I'll grab this pillow, loser, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that was brutal. Uh, all right, cool. Next okay. question. Uh, next question. What's your personal shoe? Shoe inventory. What's your daily wear? I've increasingly become a minimalist. While some need cushion and arch and some, and some claims that their shoes massage their feet. As they walk, I just removed the pad under where I stand, so I deadlift barefoot on the concrete. Feels great. My wife would appreciate something more fashionable, so maybe <laughs> there's a compromise oh. out there for my feet. Sorry. Oh, oh, for him. Yeah. Oh, okay. I okay. mean, dude, he's coming the wrong, it's coming the wrong place for fashion advice from me, dude. <laughs> Come yeah. on, man. So what up? What's your everyday shoe okay. scenario? So here's my daily shoe scenario. Uh, my workout shoe mm-hmm. is New Balance Minimus Ten. V1 trail running, black and gray. They're mostly black, but they have gray, uh, what, thread or something? What about the socks? White. Tell no, actually, the socks. actually, actually, my, so- my socks now are gray. 
They're light gray. And the reason that the reason there is because my son also wears white socks. And so he started getting into my socks, bro. So I was like, okay, cool. And I ordered gray socks. He can have the white ones. Stay away from my gray socks. So that's what I got. Uh, To and from the gym. Mm. Around to the, you know, the grocery store, Mm flip-flops. Sorry, Pat Mack. Because, you know, Pat Mack, he hates flip-flops. Because you're not ready to roll. I get it. You know, it's the truth. You're not ready to roll. You're not ready for for combat when you're wearing flip-flops. It is something that you got to contend with. And I do feel that when I'm going to dinner, going to movie, going to unfamiliar environment, you know, like uh, an area where there could be issues, um, wearing vans usually. Um, And then my work, if I'm working, I'm wearing origin boots. Uh, And then for hunting, I have been used, I used my actual combat boots, I've used uh, a pair of ultra, they're called ultra, I use those. They're like zero drop and all that, but they're they weren't they're not quite beefy enough. I'm getting a beefier pair for this year. I was, I was going through a bunch of cactus, and it was not optimum to have the lightweight ultras. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, I don't have an answer for you on trying to look good. Like that's never been but one of my prioritized things in mm-hmm. in life is like what I'm wearing looking good. Well, you you do the vans. That's your dress up. Yeah, in my experience or the yeah. Or, no, yeah the, the boots. origin boots. If I'm doing any work, any echelon front work, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm wearing I'm wearing my origin boots because mm-hmm. because they, well they're nice because they're comfortable all day and they're they look professional. You know, yeah, yeah. you can't you I can't be presenting to a a board with Van. you know vans on so. Yep, yeah, I'm with you. Same exact deal, pretty much, but instead of Vans, they're Chuck Taylors. What's your workout shoes? Chuck, Chuck's. Old, older Chuck Taylors. Older Chuck. With yeah, laces? or barefoot, no laces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I don't have laces anymore. Don't do laces. Yeah. Actually, you can customize your Chuck Taylors. Is that a fact? Yeah, you can get whatever color you want. That's why I have, I have a bunch of them. Bro, they're back, all different colors. Yeah, back in the day, they issued us. They 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 issued us Chucks for a while. Black blacked out Chucks. They issued us blacked out Vans. You want to talk about thinking you're a badass when you're like <laughs> 20 years old and you got issued black bands for the days. But bands is like, that's skater, right? Like yeah, you, you 100%. Skateboarded. Yeah, that's weird. Like, I found that people either like Chuck Taylors or Vans. I feel like they're too, like, you know, kind of like uh, Apple and PC yeah. kind of a scenario. For me, Chucks, which I've definitely worn a ton of Chucks, they always feel a little bit narrow for me. My feet are wide. So, but, um, there you go. All right, there's the hunting. There's uh, sorry, there's the shoe inventory. Yep. I have and I will say this, I have 10. No, I don't want to exaggerate. I have it no less than 6 pairs of I have no less than 6 pairs of the of my workout shoes. Really? All I the same. That. No kidding. I have 10. No, I don't want to exaggerate. I have 8 pairs of flip-flops all the same. Yeah. Like one blows out, cool, backup's yeah. coming in hot. Yeah. Same. I have three pairs of Vans. Two are the same, and one's a pair of Cro-Mags Vans that Harley <laughs> Harley Flanagan sent me. Yeah. And Origin boots. I actually only have two pairs of Origin boots, but yeah. So I I I don't like to wear a bunch, you know, of different things. Yeah, makes sense. And you know, other people are more into fashion, and I don't mean like 
fashion. Fashion, even though that's a thing too. But I mean, you know, like they they have a few suits for occasions, and then they have like you know shoes that go with the suit, and there's you know obviously you know so you can have like dress shoes, mm-hmm. and then like a dress boot or something like this. You know, they're a little bit more into it. Mm-hmm. You've never. Uh, That's not really my scene. Not your gym. Yeah, I used to actually when I worked in the nightclub, I had some cool clothes and shoes and whatnot. But not anymore. Flip flop. Actually, flip flop. What kind of flip flops do you have? Like the rubber kind, right? Yep. What kind are they? Quicksilver. So I get. I have locals. I from what I understand, they're only sold in Hawaii. But they're sold like everywhere in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I was gonna get you some. I have a bunch of them though. Yeah. Well, we maybe we need to connect with them and see what's up. See what up. The Quicksilver ones I wear. I don't know why. There's nothing special about them. The thing is with with flip flops for me, they can't be fabric of any kind. They have to be just rubber or plastic or whatever. Because yeah. I'm wearing them straight into the shower at the gym. Yeah, you know, yeah. and wear them off. And yep. so I mean, my my flip flops get wet every single day. Every single day, I get done training, I take a shower with them. Yeah. So, it's, you, you, if you have like nylon straps or whatever, they're yeah, just yeah. wet for a day. The fist, sophisticated. Yeah, just, yeah you, it's not sophisticated scene over here. What are those ones? They're really cool. I have a pair of them. They're, I think they're, they're actually, forgive me for not knowing the name. I think they're combat flip flops. They're yeah, made yeah. of the soles of actual boots. Yeah. From the yep. mili- from military guys. Yep. yep. And then they're, those are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those are cool. And for normal wear, but for me, it's not normal wear. For me, normal wear is going to the gym. Yeah, I'm you gonna, can yeah I have to have shower. plastic, like rubber or whatever yeah, complete. Yeah. Yep. We'll true. get to making them eventually. I've, me, Pete and I are already talking about it, getting yeah. to make, you know, so, cause so that way, because those are definitely not, those are definitely made in overseas, which sucks. Yeah. Um, but we'll get there. Cool. We're working it in the meantime. Got to do what you got to do on this one. Would you ever wear like a suit, a nice designer suit with like nice dress shoes? Uh, I mean, you know, when I've, you know, like if you're on the news or something, you're getting interviewed, you got to wear, you, you know, I wear a suit and tie. Yeah, but do you wear like the whole, sh- but you don't wear the like shoes, shoes, like suit shoes. I wear origin boots. Yeah, yeah, that's different. Yep. Yeah. No, I don't have like them pointy shoes Come or on, nothing bro. like this yeah, with a so smooth so. sole, like. Yeah, like the wing tips yeah, or yeah. whatever. No, not happening. All right, bro. All good. Right on. Next question. I appreciate everything you and your team do from the books to the podcast. Leadership and wisdom shared on here has helped me with my business a ton. As a small business, as my small business expands, I find it against my nature to delegate. I come from the if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself type of family. What suggestions do you you have for someone with this mentality, especially as the business expands to a point where I will not be able to be physically present at each location. Well, I'm glad you recognize this. This is the step toward becoming an actual leader. Because think about it, if you do everything yourself, (laughs) you're just doing stuff yourself. You're not a leader. You're just doing stuff yourself. A real leader is things are happening and you don't have to do them. And the reason that you, look, if there's not enough, if there's not enough work that it takes more people, you do it yourself, of course. Mm-hmm. But it's at a certain point, as demand signals increase, you've got to, you, you can't do it all yourself. And that's why you start growing, that's why you build a team, that's why you get put into a leadership position. I mean, if, if, if I was going on a SEAL operation and I could operate the radio, shoot a machine gun, walk point, look for bombs, if I could do all those things myself, right? Well, I would just do them myself, but you can't. 
So, so you you have to do th- everything you can, but at a certain point, you don't have the capacity anymore. And if you don't have the capacity, the, the reason that I say you don't have capacity, it means either you physically can't do it because you're not located wherever it's happening, right? Maybe you don't have the time to do it because you can't do everything, so that means you don't have the capacity. And finally, you shouldn't be looking down and in at the team and down and in at the projects at hand because that's what your team should be doing. You should be looking up and out. You should be, you should be training people to do those jobs, to do those jobs that, that they can then take over for you. So if you're doing everything yourself, you're not being a leader, period, end of story. And you're not gonna be able to grow properly. This is a warning. You know, when I was in, in Ramadi, the, the battalion commander, the first of 506, just an outstanding leader, an outstanding guy. And I remember I was talking to him, he said, well, I'm, I, I was talking about a mission that was coming up, and I said, well, we're, we're, you know, where are you gonna position yourself or something like this? And he goes, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be gone. I said, where, oh, sir, where are you gonna be? He said, I'm, I'm going on my uh, two weeks mid-deployment leave. And I said, you're going on leave, sir? <laughs> it seemed crazy to me, mm-hmm. right? I said, sir, you're going on leave? And he, he must have seen the look on my face, and he goes, yeah, let me tell you why I'm going on leave. Number one, the, the army requires everyone to go on leave during a deployment because they're doing one, young, one year long deployments. They need, no guys need decompression. He says, so the army requires everyone to go on leave. Mm-hmm. If I don't go on leave, I'm setting an example that everyone else is gonna think I don't want them to go on leave either. Mm-hmm. And now no one's going on leave. They're not getting the break that they need. It's gonna be too much for them. And he goes, number two, Jocko, if I can't leave, that means I'm not a good leader because the battalion should be able to run itself. So if I can't go on leave, I failed as a leader. So I'm gonna go on leave and the battalion's gonna be fine and you're gonna be fine on this mission and my XO will take care of it. And I was like, hey, roger that. Freaking, that's what you want. That's the approach to take. Step away, look up and out. Put your subordinates truly in charge of things. Let them grow. Give them space. Give them opportunities to grow. If you're ste- if you're stepping down and doing everything every single time, th- look, they're gonna grow eventually, and they're gonna grow away from you. They're gonna go find somewhere else that where they're gonna be given the room to grow. So you're gonna end up with a bunch of loot. The only people that'll stay are losers that don't want to take any initiative. Mm-hmm. So make your mentality to step back and let the team lead. And only lead when necessary. And by the way, when you do have to lead, when you do have to step in there, pull your, you know, your number two in and say like, hey, here's what I'm gonna do right now. Here's why I'm making this decision so they can learn. So next time you don't have to pull them in there. Next time you don't have to lead, they can do it. So you are failing if you're doing things that other people can do. You are failing. Work yourself out of a job. This is the way you grow correctly. That's what I got. Yeah, that. I you taught me this, where, you know, like one of the drawbacks, right? Of like, if you're used to doing something, especially you, you do it a certain way or whatever, mm-hmm. and like you're really happy with the way you do it, 
So you mentally are really attached to that mm-hmm. that method, mm-hmm. you know. And then so you and one of the things, one of the many things you would say was like, yeah, when you first off, when you change a system, which is like yep. a bunch, you, there's a bunch of things you can do to change a system. One of them is sure you're gonna train up this dude to to do it, and he's a new guy. It's gonna you're gonna lose efficiency. efficiency. Yeah, yep. yeah. Efficiency will go down. Yes, there's that going on, and then there's the other concept that you guys talk about, the eighty percent solution, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the. The, so being okay with that, and this is how I know because this, or this is how I know I went through this pretty hardcore. Is that how this guy put? If the common phrase, right? If you want the job done right, mm-hmm. kind of like I do it right, mm-hmm. everyone else sort of does it wrong, kind of thing. But it's like no, bro, you might do it a certain way, but and I'm not saying this guy, I'm saying me in my situation. I, I do it a certain way, but my way isn't the only right way to do it. And then on top of it, even if the guy's not doesn't do it as quote unquote good as me or whatever, if it's an 80% solution, it's a solution kind of a thing. You get used to that element. You'd let them get more reps. And I'm, again, I'm just speaking from my specific, I'm not saying this is what you should do, dude, because I went through it like twice. So, <laughs> But I found that if I let the other people get reps, they become better and better and better. Right. And it starts to open my eyes to these new ways of doing right. things. And it's like, oh, okay, I understand. Like, it's not if you want it done right, you do it yourself. If you want it done right, you make sure it's done right. Whatever that looks like, kind of a thing. That's what it. That's what it. What occurred to me. Uh, I thought where you're going with that, which you skimmed up against. So um, efficiency is going to go down. We know that. But the eighty percent solution. What's well, the other huge thing that prevents you from saying, hey, you know what, Echo, go ahead and run with this is my ego. Because I like being the guy. And I like being the one that says, hey, let me show you how to do that. And hey, you know what, I better just take over. It mm-hmm. feels good, my ego feels great, so you gotta push through that ego wall, mm-hmm. get to the other side where I go, hey, Echo, looks good enough, man, good job. Yeah. yeah. Carry on. I, I, I felt that one time, but it wasn't, um, this was before, it wasn't, it was a different scenario, it wasn't that, I needed to take on a more, what do you call, up and out role. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't that scenario. It was like I was the subordinate and they needed to bring another subordinate in the same level mm-hmm. as me. Then I felt that, no, I want to be the guy. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be the – so that's real too for yep. sure. But in – When the reality is it's going to help both of you. It's going to help be everybody. Better oh, and more yeah. efficient. Oh, yeah. So true. And um, So, yes, this applies to peers as well. Yeah. It, to me, and uh, I don't know. Help I would peers. think if you're – if you're kind of the leader of the whole thing, it's easier to see the picture of like, no, if this guy gets as good as me, we can like go mm-hmm. bigger places. You know, when you're the subordinate, it's kind of like, well, yeah, the the company or the boss is going big places. And then maybe secondarily, I can see, okay, that benefits me in this way indirectly. But you still, the sense of competition down below is a little bit more mm. more tangible, I yeah, feel like. It's definitely more tangible down there. Yeah. All right, next question. Good evening. I'm a Marine Corps drill instructor and have been for almost two years now. The job is very demanding. I'm away from home quite often. Because of this, my wife has come to resent my job and everything about it. Now, I'm in the midst of a struggle. Do I ask for relief in the middle of the cycle or continue to push forward? Some days my wife is crying and begging me not to go to work. I often have have to find excuses to get out of work or even the the extreme of lying to my wife so I can go to work without her being angry with me. I've never quit anything in my life, yet I find myself in a predicament where I feel as though quitting is the right thing to do, although it is extremely hard for me to grasp that concept. 
Please let me know what you think you would do. I have great respect for you and Echo. I listen to you guys almost every day. I believe you have helped me through so many things in my life. I really need some help on this one. Thank you. Oh, man. Um, there's, there's, I don't know which way to answer this. There's two. Well, I'm going to answer both ways. I don't know which one to do first. Here, here's my positive outlook. My positive outlook is maybe your wife is awesome. And you don't mention if you have kids or not, but you know, she needs support, she needs help, she needs you around. She's got some short-term things that are going on in her life right now that she's, you know, got that heavy level of stress and she needs some support, man. And if that's the case, where you have an awesome wife that's supportive and she's been supportive, but she's just got to some breaking point that is just, it's too much. It's been two years and you've been working, you know, 18 hour days for two years. And she just, she just needs you, right? right? And she's awesome. And whatever's going on in her world, she needs you, okay? That could be the case. And if that's the case, bro, if that's the case, if you have an awesome wife that's supportive and she, she needs you right now, you should explain that to your leadership, what's going on, and that you need to take care of your family. And good leaders in that situation will say, okay, here's what we can do, here's what we can work out, here's how we can, here's how we can get through this. So, yes, you're right, your instinct is right on that. If your wife is awesome and she's going through a hard time for whatever reason, and I'm sure there's some extenuating circumstances there, then you figure out and you go and talk to your leadership and explain the situation, they wanna take care of their Marines, you explain what's going on, and l- let's get through this thing, and the Marine Corps will help you. So that's that's one one answer, and hopefully that's the situation. But you know, one one more thing I'll add to that is: can you also talk to your wife and say, "Hey, babe, look, I am sorry. It's been two years. I got seven more months of this, or whatever, however much longer you owe. If there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm gonna take. I'll take. I'm gonna take thirty days leave right now." And you take leave and you take her to the freaking Bahamas or you take her somewhere really nice. Bahamas, if you're out on the East Coast, you take her to Hawaii if you're out on the West Coast. You know, you do something and you do like a 30-day leave. And you do something super cool with your wife and you let her recharge her batteries and then you go, okay, when I get done with this, I'm gonna have seven more months or six more months. That Then I'm gonna take another easier billet where I'll have more time to be with you. So... Light at the end of the tunnel. That should actually be the first conversation you have with her is, hey, here's, let me give you the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And when I get done with this job, here's the next billet I'm gonna take. I'll, be, I'll have more time. Don't lie about it. If your next billet is going back to, uh, back to the fleet and you're gonna be going on deployment, you need to tell her that too. And I'll tell you one thing that's interesting about that is it can be harder to be at home and not at home than it is to just be gone. Mm-hmm. Does that, did that make sense, what I just said? Yes. It's it's like when COVID started for me and I was home, but I was working, it was like my family was looking at me like, oh, you don't wanna come out and you know have dinner with us? I'm like, yeah. no, I'm actually working right now. I'm yeah. sitting in my room working and they think I just don't wanna hang out with them. Yeah. It would've been easier if I was gone in a hotel room somewhere. Yeah, that is true. So it, that might be part of what is making this harder for your wife. She's like, dude, it's Saturday and you're gonna go talk to recruits instead of talking to me? 
that whereas if you were on deployment she'd be like i, I miss you i hope yeah. you're safe right yeah. Yeah. so think about that as well think about that and think about that how that psychologically affects your wife because she's probably in the in the scenario where she thinks if you're home you should be home mm-hmm. and it'd be easier for you just to be on deployment um so that's 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 what i'm going to tell you on that there's light at the end of the tunnel that's step number 1 explain to her what's going to happen take some leave be awesome to your wife and then if that doesn't work next step talk to your leadership hey here's what's going on i got some issues at home i love the marine corps but i love my wife i i don't want to get divorced from my wife and i want to take care of the marine corps how can we make this happen boom here's the last thing this also could be an indicator right that maybe your wife isn't who you thought she was right i don't know it, if you don't have any kids right now and she's kind of this demanding right now that's just something to something to think about because when you want when your wife and you are a awesome have an awesome relationship you figure out how to make it work you figure out how to support you know she'll figure out how to support you just like if she was going through something and she had to work all the time, you'd figure out a way, a way to support her. So how much is going to be enough, right? And look, that might mean she's the person that cannot have a Marine for a husband. She might, you might need to say, hey, look, I, I need to get out of the Marine Corps and figure out what my next job is gonna be because you're not, you, you, this isn't gonna work. Because when you're in the Marine Corps, you're married to the Marine Corps and you're married to your wife. I know I was, spent way more time at the SEAL teams with my SEAL team friends than I did with my wife, 100%, not even close. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we'd go on a, on a four-week trip with the teams, with my platoon, with my task unit, go to land warfare for four and a half weeks, mm-hmm. come home for four days, go to mount for two and a half weeks, come home for a day and a half. That's what the schedule is. So it's 100%. The team's getting more than my wife is, than my kids are. And there's a chance that that's not cohesive with your wife. It's not copacetic with your wife. So then you need to figure that one out. And you need to talk to her and ask her honestly and explain the situation. Hey, here's what the Marine Corps gives me. Here's what the Marine Corps gives us. Does that work? (laughs) And then maybe she's not conducive to being a Marine Corps wife. And then you need to decide whether you wanna stay with her or you wanna stay with the Marine Corps. Um, listen, family is paramount. The The Marine Corps, just like the SEAL teams, just like a, a union or just like a gang, eventually it's gonna be over for you. Like eventually it's gonna be over. And at that point, all you're gonna have is your family. But I can tell you there's plenty of SEALs that kept the SEAL teams and got rid of their wives because their wives were not conducive to being married to a SEAL. And in some of those cases, that was a bad decision. In some of those cases, that was a good decision. Sometimes the the wife was not worth giving the teams up for. Sometimes the teams was not worth giving the wife up for. You see what I'm saying? Those That's... That's a hard thing for me to say. I'm telling. I'm telling you that 
there's some guys that lost their wives because of the teams and it was a bad move. Mm. And there's some guys that left the teams because of their wives and it was a bad move. Mm. And usually the ones that left the teams because of their wives, sometimes they would get divorced anyways. Mm. So y- you need to do a good <sighs> dissection of your relationship. Weigh out the pros and cons, cons of the scenario. It don't look the symptoms that you're seeing right now from your wife. What do those symptoms mean? What's the root problem? Is the root problem that she's going through a hard t- time right now and she needs some backup because you got three kids and it's too much for her? Yeah. That that could be it, and you need to take a break. Yeah. Or maybe she has no kids, but she's lonely all day and pissed off and wants you home and doesn't feel like she has the control that she wants and she feels like the Marine Corps is more important to you than she is, and that's going to drive her crazy. So do a dissection of this scenario and then don't make an emotional decision. Make a logical decision. Doesn't mean throw your emotions out. Doesn't mean throw your emotions out. You have to put your emotions in the calculus. But make a logical decision, not an emotional one. That's what I got. That's yeah, a rough one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that communication thing is like a bit, it sounds super obvious, right? Communicate, you know, communicate or whatever. But you'd be surprised how well that works where, and again, I'm no expert. I'm speaking from very specific experiences in my situation. So there's this, there's a few years where I just was like, jujitsu was number one. Yep. And that. <laughs> and my, my, my whole family used to joke like, oh, for me, the teams was number one. Jiu-jitsu was number two. Surfing was number three. And then, like, family was number seven. They, they would they would be joking about it, right? So it's a good sign. Yeah. But like any joke, there was some truth to the joke. Yeah. You know? And this was, I only had one kid at the time. Um, but it was the kind of like, and just like I always said earlier, where when I had, like, a program, like, my program, I don't really deviate mm-hmm. from the program. Mm-hmm. I don't adjust it. I don't adjust the program. That's the program. You stick to the program. <laughs> so if I trained Monday to Friday and I didn't train Saturday and Sunday, there's no switching Friday and Saturday. Like, that's not the program. See what I'm saying? <laughs> so you get that. And I was like, jujitsu, jujitsu, jujitsu. So one day there was a storm and we have a pool. And the storm, there was like a hill kind of next door. Mm. And the storm got so bad that the the, the dirt from I underneath the I, I remember the hill, this happening. Yeah, yeah. Started your pool up or something. Started to go in the pool. Exactly right. So that wasn't dirt, on the program, mud, was it? But <laughs> I see the thing come. It, like there's so much water coming down that you could see the rivers forming. Yeah. And I'm like, it's just a matter of time. Like if I cared, I would have understood that it's just a matter of time. That water is just going to go, go right around that wall over there and go right into the pool. Might even overflow the wall, which it did later. But... I don't care. I'm going to jujitsu. <laughs> Bro, that wall's just going to have to hold it up for a few more hours or the pool's just going to have to get mud in it. Like a lot of mud too, by yeah. the way, and dirt. So before I even get to leave, and I feel stressed because, you know, Sarah's over there like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? She's trying to like, you know how you- She's trying to save was, the day. Totally trying to She's save trying the She's trying to day. make things happen. And this is in the evening too. She's it's looking for dark. support. <laughs> she was. I didn't even notice it because I was too focused on jujitsu. So, um- Long story short, the, I go to jujitsu, by the way, Hell yeah. and I come back, <laughs> and the whole pool is just mud. We had to drain the whole pool. Get it? So it was a big, huge, huge deal for the pool. So meanwhile, I starts pissed. Pool cleaning, pool river stopping wasn't on the freaking program. It's not on the program, no. bro. I don't have nothing to. Either way, so 
not only did that, now we have to fix that whole hill too. We had we had to get it, you know, all this stuff. This big big thing, and I was just like really checked out of it, to be honest with you, because mm-hmm. I was focused on jujitsu or training or whatever, and my normal stuff or whatever. So, jujitsu, and of course that was the most extreme uh, day. But you know, there's all sprinkled throughout the whole time. There's things where it's like she wants to do this, or how about this? No, I'm training. No, I'm training. Oh, the kids are like this. No, I'm training. No, I'm training. Right. So after a while. It doesn't matter if it's convenient or not for me to go train. She already has a negative thing, like thought oh, about yeah. me going to jujitsu. Mm-hmm. It already like makes her mad in the subconscious. It already way. manifested in her brain yep. that jujitsu is the opposing force of yep. her. Oh yeah, yeah. And we can literally be doing nothing, bored, don't know what to. She could be going shopping. I'm going to jujitsu. Something mad, you know. And that so how did she get through it? Talking to her. Mm-hmm. So, because it got to the point where, like, I recognize it, and you know, in hindsight, especially when things calm down, I, th- I figured, man, I really f- total, totally left her hanging with that pool thing, mm-hmm. and it hit me, and I was like, oh man, and you know, just time went on, and then I, I started doing the right thing, but it still seemed like she didn't like me training jujitsu, she mm-hmm. just didn't like it, so I brought it up, and we communicated, and she was like totally honest too, because she never really thought about it like that, where I go, so when. When is it like good for me to train jujitsu? Because it feels like, and I didn't say it all mean or nothing like mm-hmm. that. I was asking earnest questions, as it were. And she even admitted, she was like, Yeah, you kind of can't win with jujitsu because it's kind of like, oh, like jujitsu doesn't benefit this family yeah. that much. Like you, you've been training for freaking 10, 11 years or whatever. And meanwhile, the family, we have little kid, a little kid right now. You know, we're, there's a lot of work here. So you can't really win with jujitsu. That's what it feels like. And I was like, oh, man, that makes sense. And under what circumstances, like, would it work, though? You know, can we? And But just pointing it out, though, just pointing it out that I can't win and because of how she regards jiu-jitsu as yeah. so worthless, it opened her up to be like, oh, wait, we're kind of we're kind of working together here. You know, like, yeah, you can go to jiu-jitsu. Just like her getting her nails done doesn't freaking benefit this family no. at all. I mean, jujitsu does more than nails. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I'll go to my grave with that. Like, oh yeah. So, it but it brings it all to light, you know. Where it's like, hey, you know, like yeah. under what circumstances? <clears throat> when should I? When's the best time? When? How's this? When's the best time not to? Just generally speaking, you know, just a, so that like full on just communication, not getting mad, not freaking bringing up old stuff or whatever. Just actually communicating. How how can we make this work? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And which I th- I'm. I'm pretty certain of this. Sometimes they just want to know that you care. You know, like if if he's going to work too much and he's yeah. just, you know, that's a routine. You just check, go to work, yeah, yeah. right? Bye, honey. Go to work. Come home. Come home. 18 hours yeah, later. 18 you know? hours later. Bye, honey. I'm, yeah. I'm home. And she's like, oh, my gosh, she doesn't care. he doesn't care how I feel. Mm-hmm. Here's but, my laundry. <laughs> exactly. Bro, that's real. Yeah. It's totally real. So, you know, if you bring it up like that and you communicate, it, it basically sends, sends that message, man, hey, I know. I've been working. I care. And a lot of him, that can solve a lot of the problems. Right. Well, there you go. All right. Last question. Last question. When does extreme ownership turn into a work addiction? Or more accurately, how should I in- integrate extreme ownership with my unhealthy work habits? Seems like putting fuel on the fire. I'm not trying to sound like a cocky asshole, but I just feel that I have allowed myself to be taken advantage of advantage of by some clients because I will kill myself to get jobs done and usually don't make enough to warrant missing time with my family. I very much appreciate your work. All right. The first thing that hits me 
on this is um, what game are you playing? You remember this whole conversation, right? I had this whole conversation. It, it, we did it on the podcast, and it came from the fact that I had two conversations with two different individuals that are good friends of mine, and both of them were busting their ass, working 80 hours a week, and they were both kind of capped out on how much money they were going to make. Yeah. And they, you know, they'd been they'd been kind of at the top of their game for 3 4 years and they both were working 80 hours a week and just not moving, not progressing. I mean, they were making a good living, but no progress was being made. They weren't getting any further. They weren't working any less. Right. Right? So it was a problem. And I talked about the fact of what game are you playing? Because the the analogy I used is if you play basketball, how many points can you score in a game? As an individual, you can score 20, 30, 40, 50 points per game. Mm. If you play soccer, you you may, if you're lucky, score one, one point in a game. Mm. And that's the way the world is. That sounds like an extreme thing, but that's actually the way the world is. Mm. And so you gotta figure out what game, there's some games that you can play where you can make millions of dollars by playing that game and and there's someone else that's working just as hard as you and they make $138,000 a year and you're literally working the same. Mm. Same amount of hours, same amount of effort, same amount of dedication, same amount of discipline. One person's making millions, the other person's making 132. So you gotta figure out what game you're playing. What freaking game are you playing? Because if you, look, if you're working hard and it, you're not even making enough money to warrant missing time with your family, that's a problem. That's not a trade, that's not a good trade. Because you're not setting your family up for their futures. So you gotta do some strategic thinking. Um, when you're working hard right now, is there a light at the end of the tunnel, right? I don't know what kind of business you're in, but if you're building clients to where you look up in three or four years and now you've built this massive client base and you've got some subordinates working for you and they're kind of handling the day-to-day, but you're handling the relationships, but you've grown this massive client base, now you're just making money and you don't have to work all the time because you got subordinates, okay. You gotta explain that to your family, you gotta talk about what the strategic vision is and you gotta get there. So, so that's what you gotta do, you gotta figure out, is there some kind of a light at the end of the tunnel here? Something else you want to take ownership? You got to take ownership of your freaking life right now. You got to square things away. Discipline equals freedom. You got to put up some boundaries around these things, right? You got to put some boundaries up. Like, hey, here's what here's what I will do and here's what I won't do. And this doesn't mean when Echo calls me, I'm going to blow him off. What it means is Echo doesn't need to call me as my client because I already have shit squared away. What that means is when I'm working with Echo, I got to put the pressure up front, right? What, you know, if Echo wants me to build him a house, what I do is, okay, hey, Echo, I need this from you. I, 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 we're, we got to start the design phase. I'm going to have to sit down with you. I'm going to need this information now. I don't go, we need, so I'm not really decided yet. And I go, oh, okay, well, let me know. No, I got to put the pressure up front. If I go, if I go hey, Echo, uh, can you make me a video? You don't go, yeah, sure, when do you need it by? And I tell, I need it in two weeks. And you go, okay, well, let me know when you think of your idea. No, you go, okay, Jocko, if you want me to video in two weeks, here's what I need from you. I need I need the type of music you want. I need to know the imagery you want to use. I want to know the purpose of the video. You need to put the pressure on me, back on me. So that's what you need to do. You need to set those expectations too because when I go to Echo, Echo, I need a video in two weeks. Echo's like, hey, right now, with the videos I've already got in line, the best I can do is four weeks. 
That's what I can do for you. That kind of honesty is way better and it puts pressure on me to say, okay, well, you're the best, so I'll go with the four-week program. Hypothetically, if you were good at video. Sure. <laughs> um, the other thing is well, get some help. Like, what are you doing? And, and how much business are you losing because you're doing day-to-day bullshit stuff, by the way? I mean, at Echelon Front, I, I, I don't talk to the clients until it's time for me to talk to the clients, right? I don't do a sales call with them. I don't talk to them and explain what the programs are and explain how long they're gonna last. I don't do that. Jack does that. Jamie does that. Lynn does that. There's other people on the team. They have a protocol that they go through. So I'm not doing that stuff. So what's going on in your world? You know, if, if, if I'm calling up Echo, hey, I need you to make me a video, and he goes, okay, cool, and then he needs to figure out, hey, Jocko, what, what kind of camera do you want me to use? And I say, well, I want this kind of footage, and you go, okay, well, then you, then Echo says, okay, well, then I have to go to the store, and I have to buy this specific camera, and I have to get this specific lens, and then I have to buy the lighting, and I have to go set up all lighting. No, actually, Echo's got someone else that does that. Echo goes, hey, this is the footage we need, here's what we need, here's a list, go get it. That way Echo's actually filming another video for another client while someone else is out doing the shopping. So, so you probably need to try and start doing the things that only you can do to start to grow. You're gonna need to invest in growth. But if you're working, quote, this hard and you're not making money, you need to figure out how to focus on things that are actually gonna make you more money, you need to figure out what game you're playing, you need to put some discipline in your life around this whole scenario. Because if you work real hard for the next five years to help your family and you don't have a family anymore, it's not worth it, bro. Not worth it. And if your wife leaves you because you haven't been able to provide for her or the kids, that's not worth it either. So you gotta figure this thing out. So what this requires is that you have to, once again, think strategic. You gotta think long-term. You think about where you're gonna be. You you gotta think about beyond the client that just called you 15 minutes ago and and spent 38 minutes talking to you about something that you you knew the answer to in three minutes, but you didn't wanna be rude, so you kept talking to him during dinner. That's what you gotta watch out for. All right, think strategic, that's the, that's the answer. Think strategic, and then explain that strategic plan to your wife so she understands, and your family so they understand. That's what we're doing. With that, thank you for joining us here. We appreciate, we appreciate you listening, we appreciate you hanging out, appreciate you supporting the UG. That's what these files are called on my computer. They're called the UG podcast (laughs) for the underground. Thanks for all the Jocko Fuel support, Origin USA support, Jocko Store support. You know the deal. Get the books, echelonfront.com. We're here. We're kicking it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. How long have we been talking for? It's a long underground, huh? Hour and a half. Hour and a half. Not too bad. Not too bad. All right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.